16th week after Pentecost, Wednesday, Galatians 6, 2 through 10, Mark 7, 14 through 24. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught in the word share in all the good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Bear one another's burdens. Now, mind you, most of this commentary is from uh, St. John Chrysostom. Um, this reading is from the Bible and the Holy Fathers, <clears throat> and it's it's daily readings of, of Scripture. I don't know if you can hear my dogs, but they're like attacking each other. It being impossible for man to be without failings, he exhorts them not to scrutinize too severely the offenses of others, but even to bear their failings so that their own may in turn be borne by others. We help each other out. You know, we don't sit and tear each other down like the world and pull each other down. And just a reminder, today is a fast day in authentic and historic Christianity. We fast every Friday and every Wednesday. Now, what is that fast? That fast is a monastic fast. So it's basically vegan. We don't eat meat. We eat vegetables if we need to eat, no oil, uh, so on and so forth. So to to not sow to the flesh today, I encourage you to fast and to bear one another's burdens. In the building of a house, all the stones do not hold the same position. One is fitted for a corner, but not for the foundations, another for the foundations and not for the corner. So too it is of the body of the church. The same thing holds true in the frame of our own flesh. One member bears with the other, and we do not require everything from each. But what each contributes in common constitutes both the body and the building. For example, this man is irascible. You are dull-tempered. Bear, therefore, with his vehemence, so that he in turn may bear with your sluggishness. So do you, by reaching forth the hand one to another when about to fall, fulfill the law in common? We all have shortcomings. We're all going to run into things today that that we're going to be tempted to judge others about or gossip about, and we need to put it to death. We need to not sow to the flesh, but pray that God and the people around us uh, will actually have mercy on our shortcomings as we have mercy on other people's shortcomings. So he says, so do you by reaching forth a hand, turn, may bear with your slick, or so do you by reaching forth a hand one to another when you are about to fall. Fulfill the law in common, each completing what is wanting in his neighbor by his own endurance. But if you do not do it in this way, but each of you will investigate the faults of his neighbor, nothing will ever be performed by you 
as it ought. He shows that we ought to be scrutinizers of our own lives. And this is not lightly, but carefully weigh our actions. You know, we, we don't just say, yeah, no, I fall short. We, we truly meditate on those shortness, uh, those, those shortcomings, and we, we seek God and we bear other people's burdens and we operate in love and we work together to help, uh, lift each other up and not tear each other down. And how many of you have family members or people in your life, even friends, that all they do is gossip and tear people down? It's draining. He shows that we ought to be scrutinizers of our own lives, and this not lightly, but carefully to weigh our actions. He who plants in the flesh wantonness, drunkenness, or inordinate desire, mean desiring things that are destructive to you that you shouldn't have, or lusts of your flesh, will reap the fruit of these things. And what are these fruits? Punishment. It's going to destroy our life. Retribution, shame, derision, destruction. Isn't that what drug addiction brings us? Isn't that what pornography addiction brings us? Isn't that what not loving our spouse or children brings us? It, it brings us suffering. Have you sown almsgiving and are you giving to the poor today? The treasures of heaven and eternal glory await you. Have you sown temperance, self-control, honor and reward and applause of the angels? A crown for judge awaits you. That's by St. John Chrysostom, chapter 4, commentary on the Galatians. If your heart has been softened, either by repentance before God or by learning the boundless love of God towards you, do not be proud with those whose heart is still hard. We give mercy so we can get mercy. Remember how long your heart was hard and incorrigible. Seven brothers were ill in one hospital. One recovered from his illness and got up and rushed to serve his other brothers with brotherly love to speed their recovery. Be like this, brother. Consider all men to be your brothers and sick brothers at that. And if you come to feel that God has given you better health than others, know that it is given through mercy, so in health you may serve your fail, frail brothers. That's from Bishop Nikolai Velimirovic. Prologue, 31st March. Mark 7. And when he had called all the multitude to him, he said, Hear me, everyone, and understand. Verse 15. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. We get so caught up in religiosity and what we can eat and what we can drink and, and all of these external things, but it's really what comes out of our heart, our pride, our, our lack of love towards our brother that is what defiles us, our lusts, our anger. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 17. And when he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, What comes out of a man that defi defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, stealing from people, covetousness, you know, envying and desiring what your neighbor has instead of working hard for God to provide for you. Wickedness, deceit, licentiousness means constant 
you know, operating in the lust of the flesh and leering at women and looking at pornography, which is actually adultery, and evil eye, which is greed. You don't you don't want to give your money to anyone. People ask you for help and you you just in your heart you cringe. You don't want to release that money. Blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within. It's not other people's faults, it's what's coming out of our heart. And defile a man. And from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. See, we don't we don't have to declare what we do. If we do the works of God, he'll reveal it. So this says, see Thursday, seventh week after Pentecost. All right, so fourth week after Pentecost, seventh week, Thursday. Those things which proceed out of the heart proceed out of the mouth, come from the heart. This is from St. John Christosom. His disciples were themselves also slightly perplexed. Here after this, the ardent and ever forward Peter came to him. He does not say, why have you spoken contrary to the law, but asserts it to be obscure. He reproved them in order to cast out their prejudice. Let us learn then what are the things that defile a man. Let us learn and let us flee from them. For even in church we see such a custom prevailing among the generality and men being diligent to come in clean garments and to have their hands washed, but how to present a clean soul to God, they give no thought. You know, they're all dressed up in their suits. Nowadays, people don't even go to church, you know. They think that just being in their home alone is is church, and that's just not church. Where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ is where he is there in the midst, and that is under the authority of a spiritual leader, of a bishop. And that's the a presbyter. That's what the scripture says. So if you're if you're a lone soldier, you're not you're not in the church. And those that go to church, they're really good at washing the outside. They don't show up dirty to church. This I say, willing men to wash in such a way that is proper, not with water only, but instead of water with all virtues. We can wash with virtues. For the filth of the mouth is evil speaking, blasphemy, reviling people, angry words, filthy talking, laughter, jesting, meaning not taking seriously the gravity of what we're living in day to day, that people are being destroyed by the evil one, that our country is about to fall into nuclear war through the evil deeds of American rulers. If you have times out of number received these stains, why do you labor in vain washing your tongue with water, brushing your teeth, but bearing about on it such deadly and hurtful filth? Out of the tongue, the tongue has the power of life or death, both for your life and the people around you. For tell me, if you had dung on your hands, if you had poop on your hands, and mire and mud, would you actually venture to pray? Would you walk into church with poop all over you? By no means, John Christosom says. And yet this would not be harmful. It would be gross, but not necessarily harmful. But the other is ruin. It will destroy you. Adorn your tongue with gentleness, with humility. Make it worthy of the God who is entreated. Fill it with blessing, with much almsdoing, meaning giving alms to the poor, helping people that are in need. We've lost that in Christianity. We say we're not a social service agency. No, we're not. But we're supposed to give to the poor. We're to help our brothers. 
For it is possible to do alms even with words. Let all your discussions bear on the law of the Most High, Ecclesiastes 9.15. And that's from St. John Chrysostom, homily on Matthew. Uh, that's my morning scripture reading in Holy Fathers. I'm going to try to do this every day if I can, every day that I'm able. And may it bless you today.